bars and hoops, Lamar and swoops, back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up, you on block or mic and booth and kick it out to one who likes to shoot, oh yeah, said we merging them, got 50 with a surgeon and some dope backs like Snoop Dogg with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing on how about maybe a little way speaking on bird back then, bars and hoops y'all, we hitting up all courts, but now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports, back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts, points of view that you've never seen from your favorite artists like talking about Gerald Green or Gerald Wallace, whoever's on your favorite team, L I mean on the verses still be great on the name for B&H. Drake's opinion on spades, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate, the facts be giving them straight, the truth they shitting on tape, who sports snakes for a tape, so true or you can debate on who you really done rate, come through it really be great, the true the fat like a state, AAM on Prime 8, please remember, bars and hoops, the center of the hood, make it part of your agenda. Yeah, 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 what up y'all, happy new year. 2017 bars and hoops steals the great and we are live in the building you know i know it's been a while man you know i've been trying to get a lot of things in order you know what i mean a lot has happened in the world of sports music you know but we just had to take a little time to regroup reevaluate the situation and come back better and stronger in the year 2017 so here we are again balls and hoops stills the great you know what i mean we got a lot on the plate you know we're gonna basically touch on you know the nba first quarter of the season you know what i mean there's a lot of a lot of teams that i'm surprised with you know i'm gonna give you the grades of um pretty much every nba team man we're gonna touch on that we're gonna touch on a little nfl and we're going to touch on, um, you know, some fourth quarter albums, man, that came out. Probably touch a little bit on some of the rumors that's going on out here in these streets. Because <laughs> there's a lot going on in these streets. But nevertheless, man, let's get right to it, man. Like I was telling you guys before, man, a lot has been going on in the NBA, man. There's been a lot of surprises, a lot of surprise teams, a lot of um, studs that came out of the blue. You know what I mean? Um you know, you got guys like LeBron James, you know, consistently doing what he does, you know, being the king. But then you got other guys like uh, Giannis Adenokounmpo. You know, he's definitely taking the league by storm, stepped his game up, something tremendous. You know, DeMar DeRozan. But anyway, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, man. I'm going to get right to it, man. Let's start with the Atlantic Division, man, and um, the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics, you know, they have a great coach in Brad Stevens. You know what I mean? They got a young nucleus uh, mixed in with a couple of veterans. They still don't have that go-to guy as of yet. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, like a superstar that they could just dump the ball into in the fourth quarter to get them a basket. I don't really see that from them yet. But they have a pretty decent team, and they've been doing well. But, you know, as of now, you know, as the way it stands, the way that the uh, – the Eastern Conference is shaping up and it's turning into me. I give the Boston Celtics a B plus, man. You know, I can't I can't take away what they've done. You know, even though they don't have a closer, they do have a bunch of guys that are playing together. You know, they they've been dealing with a lot of injuries this year. You know, Al Horford has been hurt for um you know a majority of the uh, early season. 
Jake Crawford has been hurt. You know, he just recently came back. You know, Isaiah Thomas has been dealing with some nagging injuries. But yet, the Celtics are still holding on to the third seed in the Eastern Conference, which is an accomplishment in itself. You know what I mean? Not too many teams can say that they've done that. You know, and I commend them for that. You know, next on the list, the Brooklyn Nets. You know, um, you know this team, you know, from the beginning, man, wasn't too competitive. You know, injuries to Jeremy Lin didn't help the cause at all. You know, Kenny Atkinson, I don't know why he even took the job. But, hey, you can't tell a person not to take any money, I guess. But that team was doomed from the start. Brooke Lopez has been transformed to a big man that predominantly shoots threes now. I mean, you know, Brooklyn is a mess right now, man. Besides, the, you know, the bright spots that they've had, you know, with, um, you know, uh, the kid from Brooklyn, Isaiah Whitehead, you know, uh, Sean Kilpatrick, this team is a far cry away from being competitive. Um, it looks like they're not going to be competitive anytime soon. They're not going to be able to get any upgrades to this team because, you know, they gave them all away to get Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for a season and a half. You know, Brooklyn is a long way from being good. Um, they're going to be bottom of the barrel for a long time. They have no draft picks. So, I don't know what to say about Brooklyn, but the grade that I give them is a F, a big fat F. F for failure because they failed to do what Prokhorov predicted them to do, you know, and that's come into Brooklyn and win a championship within the next five years. But guess what, brother? You're another five decades away from possibly doing anything positive in Brooklyn. Next on the list, the Crosstown Rivals, the New York Knicks. Yes, I am a Knicks fan, but I got to keep it real, man. The Knicks, the Knicks are, are, are definitely, uh, how can I say it, man, a bust right now. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that a lot of people didn't think that, you know, Derrick Rose would do anything. You know, they've over, they, they look like they've overachieved thus far. You know, they're one game under 500. You know, they started off well. Derrick Rose looks good. You know, he, he actually boomed it on somebody the other day with two hands. You know, Brandon Jennings had a real lights-out performance in New Orleans, all for not because the team ultimately lost. You know, Joakim Noah is starting to show some promise because it looked like he was stealing money, you know, for, for, for a second. Kyle O'Quinn has been playing lights out, but the team just can't get it together on the defensive end. And, you know, with that being said, I don't think that, you know, they're going to be half as good as I predicted in the beginning. I can't lie. I definitely said 57 wins with the makeup of the roster, expecting Derrick Rose to actually come back and um, actually put in work. I thought that he was really going to come in and put in a lot of work, which he has. But again, the defensive end is what's killing this team, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. You know, it's looking like they're losing faith in Jeff Hornacek. Carmelo Anthony is hurt. You know, he's he's not playing at an all-star level. And quite frankly, I don't think that he is an all-star this year. And I'm not hating on Melo. I'm not a Melo hater. I love Carmelo, but I got to call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? But with that being said, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, I'm sorry to hear that your boo left you. You know what I mean? So it seems like you're stuck with us for the next two years in New York. You know, um, I give you a, a C, and I give the New York Knicks overall a C. 
a C minus at that because you know they paid a lot of money in the off season. You know, instead of having um, you know, uh, Courtney Lee, you could have had Dwayne Wade if you waited a day or two. You know, uh, Joakim Noah. You know, he's looking like that he may not live up to that contract. We may be stuck with him. You know, maybe an Amari Stoudemire situation. I'm, I hope not because he's still a young man. And um, he looks like his heart is in it. But physically, it's another story. So with that, I give the New York Knicks a C-. minus. Moving on down the list. The Philadelphia 76ers. The 70 Stinkers. You know what I mean? I give them a D. A big fat D for dummies. Because... You know, they can't get it right in Philadelphia. It seems like they're a perennial uh, lottery team, top five pick, and those picks haven't transpired into wins as of yet. You know, Ben Simmons, you know, he, he you know, he started practicing with the team. That seems like that may probably help them. I mean, they're still going to be terrible. Joel Embiid, he's definitely come back with a vengeance after suffering two years of frustrating and nagging injuries. You know, they have a couple of building blocks in Philly, you know, with Embiid and, you know, with the emergence of hopefully Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? But, you know, as of now, the Sixers have a log jam at, at power forward, at the forward position, period. They have no real talent in the backcourt other than Ben Simmons, who has yet to play an NBA regular season game yet. But who knows, man? Maybe this trip to the lottery this year, they may uh, actually strike it rich and get a, a shooting guard that could come in and help their backcourt out. They need a bench. They need a whole lot in Philly, but, you know, they're on their way, I guess. But for now, you get a fat D for me. D for dummy, dummies. <laughs> Next on the list to shape out the Atlantic division is the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, I can't even lie to you, man. I definitely didn't think that the Raptors would come on as strong as they did this season. I thought that the Eastern Conference definitely um, stepped it up a notch, and I thought that they would probably struggle a little bit with the adjustments of teams that have gotten better, but they haven't. They're right now, they're the cream of the crop in the Atlantic Division. DeMar Rosen is playing out of his mind. He's looking like he's on his way to an all-star game. Kyle Lowry, same thing, you know, their coach has done a great job in the six, man. I can't lie. The Raptors are definitely a team to reckon with. They seem like they're going to be there for a while. And, you know, the Atlantic Division is, has a problem on their hands. Now, as far as beating Cleveland, I don't know. But you never know what can happen in the playoffs. Maybe somebody twists their ankle, you know, or, you know, hurts their back or something, and they can't play at the level that they're normally used to playing in. And I'm, I'm hitting that King James, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. But the Raptors will be a formidable team for the near future. And with that being said, I give the Raptors an A+. Plus because they definitely have a nice little nucleus. They have draft picks. Messiah Jury, man, he, he duped the Knicks, man. He got picks out of that Carmelo Anthony deal. And, you know, he came and they duped, he duped the Knicks again with the uh, Andrea Bargnani uh, Trey, we gave up a first-round draft pick for that bum. And, you know, the Raptors are on their way, man. I can't hate on them. And, again, I give them an A-plus, man, an A-plus, because they've done well for a team that was an expansion team. 
about a decade ago. They've come back with a vengeance, and um, they have a nice little nucleus, and they, they secured their future moving forward. Next on the list, the Central Division. And we're going to start the Central Division off with the Chicago Bulls. You know, you know the rumors are now that Fred Hoyerberg, you know, his job may be on the line. You know, Dwayne Wade, you know, he's been as advertised. You know, he's come in, he's played, he's been healthy thus far. He's helped the team, you know, he's helped the team a lot. You know, Michael Carter-Williams is back now. Ray John Rondo is out of the starting lineup. It's a lot going on in Chicago. You know, Jimmy Butler is playing tough, but the Bulls are a 500 team right now, you know. I predicted them to be, you know, a little bit better than that. A lot of people probably predicted the Bulls to be about a 500 team, but with the talent that they have, they should be a little bit better than 500 right now. But, again, things may change when it comes to playoff time because at the end of the day, you still have three veterans on that team that have tasted the playoffs before and um you know you never know what happens when when that uh when those when those games uh come up man you know the playoffs is a different animal it's not like the regular season you know it's a different different set of intensity different set of rules and when you have guys like Dwayne Wade and Ray John Rondo who've made it to the mountaintop and have won championships before you can't deny that you know what I mean so with that being said even though the Bulls are having a, 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 a 500 season, I give them about a C. They're about a C-plus right now. They're, they're about a C-plus. I think that um they're a couple moves away. They probably got to make another trade, which looks like they're probably going to end up trading Rajon Rondo because um if he's falling out of favor with Fred Hoiberg already, things must really be messy in Chicago. You know what I mean? They rebounded from um Derrick Rose. You can't blame Derrick Rose anymore. You know what I mean? So... Now, I guess Rondo is the new punching bag and the new scapegoat. But next on the list, the Eastern Conference champs, the NBA champs, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Man, what more can I say, man? They're in they're in, they're in, in uh, playoff mode already. You know, LeBron James was had the ability to sit out a few games. They didn't even send their whole starting lineup one game this season. They got crushed, but the fact that they can still do that and um, still perform at a high level when they do get back on the court is amazing, man. And you, you got to give all praises due and all due respect to the job that Tyrone Lewis is doing and the shape that LeBron James keeps himself in. You know what I mean? Because he leads by example, and he's a true definition of what a leader is, and the Cavs follow him in his footsteps. You know what I mean? Kyrie is out here playing out of his mind. He, he put Steph Curry in a blender again. You know what I mean? They they defeated the Warriors with KD with no problems. And um, you know, they definitely look like they're on their way again to the promised land. I can't even front. I'm a Knicks fan, but I gotta be realistic. I don't see the Knicks threatening them in any way, shape, form, or fashion right now. The Cavs are on their A game, and with that they get an A plus from me. You know what I mean? No arguments out of that. That's an A plus. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, who seem like they're on their way to another championship. Next on the list, the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> you know, the Pistons were predicted to be a lot more competitive than what they are. You know, they they added uh, Tobias Harris last year. 
You know, um, Ish Smith came over this year as a backup point guard to um, Reggie Jackson, who just recently came back from injury. But um, it hasn't transpired right now, man. It looks like, you know, Stan Van Gundy has tried everything that he could to build a roster around their star center, and it's just not working. They got rid of Greg Monroe. That doesn't seem like it helped. You know, the, the Pistons are still terrible. You know what I mean? They're not a 500 team right now. You know, they showed flashes in the first couple weeks of the season, but it seems like they're back down to reality. So with that being said, the Pistons get a fat D from me as well. You know what I mean? D can stand for defense, dummies, you big, big dummies. But, nah, let me stop. The Pistons are definitely getting a D from me, man. I thought they would be a lot better. You know, Andre Drummond is a beast, but it seems like they can't get it together in Detroit. I don't really know what they need. They probably need a dominant shooting guard. I don't know. Contavious Cardwell Pope is okay, but doesn't seem like it's working right now in Detroit. And they have a lot of front court scoring, but the backcourt seems like it's the problem right now, and their bench is definitely suspect. So with that said, you get a D from me. Next on the list, and this is a surprise team for me, I can't even lie, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Jason Kidd must be one hell of a coach because early in the season, I definitely predicted the Bucks would be terrible. I didn't think that they would make much noise in the Eastern Conference, but well, hey, they proved me wrong. Adenokounmpo was a problem. You know, I didn't realize how good he was. Now he's living up to the name Greek Freak. Greek Freak. You know, Jabari Parker, he's definitely a problem. Like, these guys are coming, man. Like, it's not sweet in the East anymore, man. It's like there's night in and night out, man. There's, there's there's a lot of tough guys that you got to face on a nightly basis if you're in the Eastern Conference. And the Milwaukee Bucks have definitely stepped up to the plate, you know, and they're a scary young team. And if they do make the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out for whoever they play because the Denacompo and Jabari Parker are problems. You know what I mean? Big problems. I'm talking about they, they're looking like two all-stars this season, you know, and that they're going to cause some – some veterans to not get a spot on that team. They're going to hurt a lot of feelings and bring a lot of reality checks to the situation for a lot of these star players out here that's been lunching while they've been working hard. So with that being said, the Milwaukee Bucks get a B-plus from me, man. They definitely get a B-plus in our book because they've been working hard. Jason Kidd is doing one hell of a job. And they have two young studs that they can build around to get that team to a better place. All they are is one star point guard away from being contenders, and the Bucks are going to be a problem. You know what I mean? Next on the list, last but not least, in the Central Division is the Indiana Pacers. I don't even know what to say about the Pacers, man. Nobody expected the Pacers to struggle the way that they are struggling. You know, the addition of Jeff Teague, I thought that was going to be a big bonus for them. You know, it, it hasn't worked. You know, Paul George is playing lights out. He's playing at an all-star level. You know, Al Jefferson has shown uh, spurts off the bench of playing, uh, you know, well. You know, Monte Ellis has been hurt. You know, I, I mean, it looks like, you know, George Hill 
was a big, big, big part of this team because, you know, Indiana doesn't look too good right now. Maybe it's Nate McMillan. Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's the coach that's coaching them. But right now, the paces are a disappointment. You know, Larry Bird is probably going to be very active at the trade deadline, but I don't see uh, Miles Turner or Paul George going anywhere. Um, they bought Jeff Teague in. I think they're going to probably keep him, but I'm thinking like a guy like uh, Thaddeus Young, who's who's decent, he can help a contender out right now, and Monte Ellis can also help a team out right now. Maybe this isn't the system for him, or maybe he just fell off, you know, but I see the Pacers being very busy at um, the trade deadline because, um, you know, they're, they're not doing well at all, and they definitely get a D-minus from me because... I thought they were going to be a, a sneaky team, you know, led by Paul George and the additions that they made in the offseason, but apparently I was totally wrong. You know what I mean? So the Pacers get a D for me. Last but not least in the East is the Southeast Division. All right, leading that division, starting off with the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going to get right to it, man. I really didn't expect much from this team. They've actually overachieved in my eyes. I didn't think that Dwight Howard would make much of a difference. He really isn't making much of a difference, like I predicted. But good coaching is hard to come by, and their coach is doing a, a decent job. Even though the Hawks don't really have much, I'm hearing that they're putting Paul Millsap on the trading block. You know, they're fielding deals for Corver. They're basically trying to do something to... Uh, shake that team up and make that team better. Because right now, they're a vanilla team. They don't have a bench. You know, Dwight Howard is there. I don't know how much he has left in the tank to carry a team. Because if they're talking about getting Paul, getting rid of Paul Millsap, that means you're putting all your eggs in one basket to cater to Dwight Howard. Dennis Schroeder is going to be a good point guard for a long time in this league. But I don't know if trading your best player in Paul Millsap is the answer right now unless you plan on just rebuilding and starting over. But I don't think that Dwight Howard would have went there if it was going to be a rebuilding process. So with that said, even though the Hawks are talking about getting rid of certain guys and, you know, they're struggling, they still get a C-plus from me because I didn't have much expected from I didn't have much expectations from this team because they just weren't appealing to me. I didn't really see a big deal with that team. And, you know, the state doesn't even really support them that much. So that says it right there. But throughout it all, they've still managed to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference with a winning record. So you got to give all credit due to their coach, Mike Busenhauser. <laughs> That's how you pronounce his name. All right, next on the list, the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I've been telling people this from day one. Kemba Walker's the truth. And that's all I need to say about this team is Kemba Walker is the truth. Because the reality is the Hornets don't have a pretty team. You know what I mean? Outside of Kemba Walker, okay, Nicholas Batum. But everybody else is C-level, D-level NBA talent. And, and their coach has them playing out of this world, man. Right now, the, 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 the Hornets are playing out of this world. Their top seed in the East, you know, just riding the back of Kimber Walker. Imagine if he had some real help. Remember, they got rid of Courtney Lee. 
They got rid of Al Jefferson. They got rid of Jeremy Lin. Guys that were big parts of their success last season. And they they never skipped a beat, man. And you got to give credit where it's due. And I give all credit, all praises due to Kemba Walker, man. He's out here baptizing cats on the court. You know what I mean? He had about 40 the other night. He's out here shaking dudes, sticking a jumper in their face. He's out here killing guys on the court, man. And he's the only target. It's like Michael Jordan gave him some secret juice or something. And Kemba's out there performing, man. And he's not disappointing at all. You know what I mean? At all whatsoever, man. And with that being said, just off the strength of Kemba Walker, man, you get an A from me, man. Because they have nobody literally outside of Kemba Walker that's an all-star. You know what I mean? They got a pretty decent player in Nicholas Batum, but he's not an all-star. You know what I mean? Kemba Walker's the only all-star on that team. Everybody else is just role players. It's sort of like how the Philadelphia 76ers were built around Allen Iverson. But Kemba's forced to do everything. At least Iverson had Eric Snow to take the pressure off of him, let him boogie and run across screens and cross Michael Jordan's soul out of his body. But Kemba doesn't have any of that. And I, I got to commend that guy because he's doing a world, a hell of a job in Charlotte. You know what I mean? And again, they get an A from me, man. Next on the list, the Miami Heat. <laughs> well, the Wade era is officially over. LeBron isn't walking through those doors. Chris Bosh is somewhere on Martha Stewart and Snoop's show making soufflés. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Heat are clearly terrible, man. You know, they brought in Goran Dragic. You know, they put all their eggs in one basket trying to bring in Kevin Durant. That didn't work. You know what I mean? You lost Dwayne Wade. You paid Hassan Whiteside franchise player money. And here you have it, a piss-poor Miami team. They're terrible. You know what I mean? Derek Williams, you should have stayed with the Knicks. You know, I know you wanted your money, but you should have stayed in New York. Now you're getting no playing time in Miami on a losing team. You know what I mean? And I, I put a lot of blame on Pat Riley's shoulder. Yes, you do things and rule with an iron fist, but you should have kept your star player and been loyal to him because he could have helped a lot of these young guys develop. Justice Winslow doesn't look like he's going to be uh, uh, a Dwayne Wade type of player. Doesn't look like he's going to be a LeBron James type of player. He looks like he's going to be a journeyman at best. He probably may not even be in the NBA after his co rookie contract is up, to be honest with you. Hassan Whiteside, yeah, he's all right. Once he gets a little game around him, maybe he needs to go work with Hakeem Olajuwon in the offseason because he has a lot of raw talent. He's grabbing 20 boards a game, scoring 19, 20 points a game. Just out there balling like he's in the YMCA where he came from. He doesn't even have a real foundation of skills around him yet. And he's out here doing his numbers. He may become an all-star on a bad team. Who knows? But as of now, the Heat are terrible. They're not, there's no light at the end of that tunnel anytime soon. Nobody's going there anymore. They're going to be terrible for a very long time. And Pat Riley's to blame. And with that being said, you get an F from me, man. A big fat F. F. It's finally done in Miami. F. F. Big F. <laughs> Moving on to another Florida team, the Orlando Magic. 
You know, I'm, I'm not even going to go through their roster. Their roster is terrible. I don't know what they were doing. Bringing in Serge Ibaka. You gave up Victor Oladipo. You gave up uh, DeMontis Sabonis for Serge Ibaka. And uh, I don't even know who else they got in that deal. But it wasn't worth it. Now they're terrible. Now you're talking about trying to trade Nicholas Vucevic, who's arguably your best post player. You know, they bought in Bismack Biombo. I don't know what Miami was, I mean, what Orlando was thinking about, but they weren't thinking about winning, obviously. Evan Fournier is your best player. I don't know what happened to Jeff Green's game. It's just like, man, the magic is terrible, man. I don't even need to talk. I don't even want to talk about them anymore. They got an F in my book, man. If I can give you an F minus, I would. Bums. (laughs) Last but not least on the list, the Washington Wizards. I mean, I knew that the Wizards were always overrated. To me, John Wall is overrated. I can't lie. I never really looked at him like a game-changing superstar. But he gets his numbers. He may possibly be an all-star this year. He's very athletic. He runs the floor. The rumors are, hey, he's getting tired in Washington. He may potentially team up with Boogie Cousins in Sacramento, along with Eric Bledsoe. Clearly, him and Bradley Bill weren't the backcourt that they envisioned. You know, Bradley Bill is definitely a young Ray Allen. He may end up possibly having to go somewhere else to really flourish, man. You know what I mean? Because playing with John Wall apparently isn't working. You know, Kevin Durant must have been their only plan. Their plan A, B, C, and D. He snubbed them. You know, um, I don't know what to say about the Wizards, man. Otto Porter is okay. You know what I mean? But, um... I think they're going to have a hard time keeping John Wall. You know, only money talks at the end of the day. I can't lie. I can't say it's going to be a hard time. You put those dollar signs in front of these players, they f- forget about winning and, you know, it's amnesia and it's about their brand after that. So John Wall can probably be bought. But if he really wants to win, maybe he may team up with his boy Boogie Cousins in Sacramento. That's even if Boogie is still in Sacramento because he seems like he's through with the Kings altogether. But... You know, that's another story. But there's no championship coming to Washington anytime soon. They're just like the Deadskins, who got smacked by my Giants yesterday, by the way. But that's another story and a whole other topic. But Washington, you get a D for me, dummies. (laughs) Next up, we move on to the West Coast, the Western Conference, where the powerhouses live. You know what I mean? The Western Conference is for real. It's a lot of, it's going to be a very competitive Western Conference playoff season this postseason when we get there. But let's set it off with the Pacific Division and the Golden State Warriors. You know what I mean? What, what, what can I say, man? This, this team is definitely rolling. You know what I mean? They're a quiet 28 and 5. But what, what makes it so ironic is that they have five losses already, but they're still 28 and 5. They didn't even lose their fifth game until February 19th last season, which is a month from now this year. They didn't lose their fifth game until then. So that clearly says that the team is taking a step back in chemistry. They're taking a step back in terms of depth, you know, losing Harrison Barnes, you know, losing Leandro Barbosa, you know, losing, um, you know, Andrew Bogut. You know, the team lost a lot of key players that helped them 
get to where they were last year. Most states, you know, they're not the same team. And Cleveland put the smack down on that ass the other day to let you know it doesn't matter if you got the second best player in the league on your team. You're still going to get that ass handed to you by the ultimate warrior, King James. You know, one of the problems that I see with the Warriors is um, Steph Curry isn't himself. You know, he's not playing freely, being that Kevin Durant is there. There's a lot of isolation when it comes to KD getting the ball. And people kill Melo all the time for this. Oh, he holds the ball too long. You know, KD doesn't hold the ball long, but he does score and he does flourish when he gets the ball in one-on-one situations. And it looks like that's what's happening. You know, Steph Curry's missing bunnies. Or Kyrie Irving probably took that heart from him the other day. Who knows? He's not himself, and they only go as far as Steph Curry can take them. You know, he was he was a two-time MVP. You know, KD was an addition this offseason, but it clearly seems like the chemistry is not there. The team has slipped to being KD's team. Even though they're 28-5, and five, I don't see them winning the championship. You know, Draymond Green can talk all that trash that he wants to, but, you know, the Warriors only go as far as Steph Curry takes them. You know, it's no, no disrespect to KD because KD is a great player, but the Warriors don't have that same swagger because their point guard isn't playing with that same swagger, intensity, or fun that he played with last year, to be quite honest. So, even though I say all of that, I still give the Warriors an A-. minus. Because they are 28 and 5, which is ridiculous, you know, to give, you know, or even say anything bad about a 28 and 5 team. But the hype that's built around them, I don't think that they're going to live up to it. I think that they're pretty much going to get their asses handed to them in the postseason by somebody like the Spurs. Who knows? The Clippers may finally wake up and find out how to destroy this team. But as of now, you know, they're going to win a lot of games, man. They're going to embarrass a lot of teams, but I don't see them beating the Cavaliers. You know what I mean? And Cleveland showed them that the other day. Like, it doesn't matter if you added the second best player, third best player, fourth best player. We got the ultimate warrior on our team, and that's LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Next on the list, the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, the Clippers, you know, despite not making any moves, man, any real moves, they bought in most spates. You know, they started giving guys like Bob Mute a little bit more burn. You know, Chris Paul is suffering with nagging injuries. Blake Griffin is having nagging injuries. But the Clippers are still a decent team. They started off looking like one of the better teams in the Western Conference. You know, they at one point in time, they had a better record than the Warriors. But, you know, Cinderella's glass slipper fell off. You know, 12 o'clock hit. And they kind of went back to reality. But... They're still decent, and despite not making any real moves, they are still an elite team in the Western Conference. So I give them a B plus. Maybe they may make a trade to kind of put them over the hump, but the only only trade that I see them making that makes any real sense that can improve this team is finding out a way to team Chris Paul up with Carmelo Anthony. Melo said he's not going anywhere. Who knows? You know what I mean? After this season, he may have a change of heart because it seems like Phil Jackson and company has been trying to run him out of town, trying to get him to waive his no-trade clause. But until, you know, 
they figure out a way to get him to waive that no trade clause and team up with Chris Paul, I don't see the Clippers um, doing much more than what they've done already. You know what I mean? So with that being said, I give them a B plus because, you know, I guess less is more. They didn't make any real moves, but they still are playing at a high level, and you got to give them credit for that. You got to credit Doc Rivers for that. Next on the list, we're going to stay in Hollywood. You know, the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, D'Angelo Russell and company, Nick Young, Iggy Azalea. Now, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop, man. Nah, but the Lakers definitely started out, you know what I mean, looking like a really good team. They surprised me. You know, they beat the Warriors. They gave a couple of other good teams a run for their money. But, again, reality struck. You know what I mean? Those glass slippers fell off. You know what I mean? The team went back to what I thought they would be, a below-average team. But, again, you know, on nights, they do look exciting. You know, uh, Luke Walton does have them playing inspiring basketball. And, you know, they're on their way. Jeannie Buss got rid of Phil Jackson. Hey, now she's clear. She's super clear. <laughs> she can focus on making basketball moves now. But, you know, the Lakers are what they are, man. But despite, you know, me having them being the butt of my jokes, I still give them a B for doing what they've done. You know what I mean? I know they're kicking themselves for not selecting Chris Stapps Porzingis, number two overall. But, hey, man, things happen. You know what I mean? You didn't want to take a chance on a European player like a lot of GMs wouldn't have done. Can't blame them. You know, it's just a stigma that is stuck with European players, you know. And, you know, Chris Stapps Porzingis is like a unicorn, for real. Nobody expected it. Can't kick yourself over that. You got Brandon Ingram. You got, you know, D'Angelo Russell last year. You know, you can build around that. You got Julius Randle the year before that. You know, the Lakers the Lakers can be on their way. And, and, and Luke Walton is doing a good job as a coach, man. And, you know, Jeannie is definitely, you know, she's not worried about Phil no more. You know what I mean? She's out here looking like an executive, for real. So, you, you can't knock that. You know what I mean? And the Lakers are looking good at times. They're still a below average team, but I give them a B for being exciting. And, um, you know, doing what they've done. You know what I mean? They're not a bad team. They're not a good team. But they're a team that's in transition. And at least they're in transition in a good direction. Next on the list, the Phoenix Suns. <sighs> what can I say about the Suns, man? You know, they're in a terrible state right now. They had money. They couldn't sign anyone. You know, um, they bought in Tyson Chandler. You know, Eric Bledsoe came back from injury, but it seems like Bledsoe coming back from injury kind of hurt the development of, Dev of Devin Booker. You know, Brandon Knight was relegated to the bench. He's not a bench player. He's a starter. He was killing last year. I don't understand why they moved him to the bench, but, you know, that's what happens when you have a log jam at point guard. So, I think that uh, the Suns, you know, they failed. They failed their young star. You know, Tyson Chandler left or was removed from New York because he didn't want to be part of a rebuilding situation. He's clearly part of one now. He's not really contributing much there. He's a veteran leader in the locker room. That's good. But um, Devin Booker is the face of that franchise. So it looks like 
you know, uh, Eric Bledsoe may probably take Boogie up on his word, man, and try to form a little super team of their own in Sacramento, you know, with him and John Wall. I don't know how that's going to work. It's not enough basketballs, but hey, you know, these guys are friends. They want to play with each other nowadays. So, you know, go for it. But as far as the Suns are concerned, I give you an F. You had money. Nobody wanted to play for you. That says a lot about your organization. You traded Goran Drogic. Well, he kind of forced your hand. I can't say that was all your fault, but you didn't do any of your players any uh, favors this offseason. You know what I mean? So you you probably got to draft a little bit better. And you probably got to find out a way to entice some teams to make some trades with you because um, I don't see any light for the Suns at the end of that tunnel because at the end of the day, the Warriors are strong. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Oklahoma City has gotten better. You know, it's going to be tough for Phoenix to really improve in the current state that they are right now because, you know, they don't have any type of real incentives for bringing anybody over there to want to play in the Valley of the Sun. Next on the list, and last on the list, and it's kind of fitting, the Sacramento Kings. You know, the front office has done nothing to improve the team. You know, Boogie Cousins pretty much said that on draft night. But the Lord, please help me. What are they doing here? Well, nobody knows what they're doing right now. You know, it seems like they don't want to let Boogie go for, for nothing. He, he seems like he can't control himself. You know what I mean? He needs to play with somebody that he respects. You know, I said earlier in the season, maybe he'll want to play with his boy Melo. But after rumblings of wanting to bring John Wall and, you know, uh, Eric Bledsoe with him to uh, uh, Sacramento, maybe he had a change of heart. But eventually the team is going to have to do something with him. I think they're going to end up probably trading him, you know what I mean, and probably get nothing of real value in return. But, you know, Danny Ainge can give you something in return, man. Bring him to Boston. That'll be like a, a go-to guy that they can use use in crunch time but again he's definitely he makes terrible decisions in crunch time so I really don't know what to say about the Kings or DeMarcus Cousins he may be an all-star this year because the talent is undeniable but the Kings are going nowhere fast so with that being said I give the Kings a fat F next on the list the Southwest Division Ah, man, the Dallas Mavericks, man. You know, Mark Cuban, man, I blame this all on you, man. You're, you're too busy on Shark Tank trying to strike up deals for the next vanilla custard craze out there instead of focusing on building a team around your aging star, Dirk Nowitzki. Now, I kind of understand that you gave Dirk uh, a pass this year because you knew that you did him wrong by not really improving the team around him. And I give you kudos for that. But you had money. Nobody wanted it. DeAndre locked you out of the house with a door behind the, a chair behind the door. You know what I mean? Took it to Twitter, Instagram to kind of curb you and let you know that he didn't want to go there. LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he's from Dallas, he didn't want to come there. You know, you know, Deron Williams. It's like he brought his career back home to die. 
You know what I mean? The Mavericks are, are, are not in a great, great position right now. They're not appealing to anybody. Harrison Barnes took the money because Golden State wasn't going to give him the money. Chandler Parsons cut out on you. It's like the Mavericks is like the Mavericks are like can't get right. They can't get right, and they don't look like they're going to be right anytime soon, especially when Dirk Nowitzki finally calls it quits and puts that jersey in the rafters. The Mavericks are going to be terrible for a long time to come. It seemed like yesterday they had the formula to beat the big three in Miami, but since then they've been nothing short but ter- short of anything but terrible. And with that being said, they also have an F. They get an F. Failing grade. F standing and meaning failure. Failures. <laughs> Next on the list, another team from Texas, the Houston Rockets. I can't lie, you know, as much as I wanted to hate on Mike D'Antoni for what he did to the Knicks and Stephon Marbury and uh, Carmelo Anthony, I got to give him his credit, man. The decision to turn James Harden into a point guard was brilliant because James Harden is out here kicking ass and taking names, man. He destroyed the Knicks the other night to the tune of 53 points. What was it? Something like 12 assists. It was disgusting. It was disgusting, man. And he had a triple-double after three quarters, man. You know what I mean? And the decision of Mike D'Antoni to turn him into the point guard was ingenious, man. It was smart. And Harden is responding, playing the best year of his career. You know, he's definitely all-star caliber. He's looking like he may even be an MVP candidate this year because the Rockets are an elite team in the league. Outside of Golden State, San Antonio, Cleveland, Toronto, the Rockets are right there, man. And I didn't expect it to be that real, but it's that real. And James Harden is that real. His game is a problem. He got some of that Chloe power you off of him. You know what I mean? He passed Chloe off to Tristan. Like, hey, Chloe, you go to Tristan. You leave me alone. Let me put some soul glow on my bed. You know what I mean? And now he's out there giving cats the business. Crossovers, going to the rack. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> James Harden is definitely carrying the Houston Rockets, man. Thanks to Mike D'Antoni making that move. And I give the Rockets an A-plus, man, because they are an elite team. Make no mistakes about it. They got a bunch of shooters around a guy that can get to the basket at will and is a willing passer, but he will score 40 on you in a minute. They got a recipe, man, and it's looking like the old Phoenix Suns teams where they just shoot a 1,000 three-pointers a game. It's like NBA 2K out there, like NBA Live, NBA Showdown. That's how, the, that's how the Houston Rockets look right now, man. And you got to credit that to Mike D'Antoni and James Harden for stepping up to the task of playing point guard in a tough guard-driven league, man. So, again, the Houston Rockets, they get an A-plus from me, man. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs. I just know one thing is that the playoffs are going to be very interesting come May and June. Next on the list, the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, what more can you say about the Grizzlies behind giving, you know, Mike Conley Jr. $153 million, 
you know, they locked up Marcus Gasol in last year's free agency. The year before that, I should say, you know, they really didn't make any real improvements after that. I mean, you got a point guard, you got a big man. That's a good recipe for success. They have a bunch of role players that, you know, has-beens. You know, you got Vince Carter out there trying to turn back the hands of time. You know, Zach Randolph is now relegated to coming off the bench, being a sixth man. Um, Tony Allen, you know, he plays tough, but does the Grizzlies scare you? No. The Grizzly Bears, yeah. But do they scare you? No. They don't. You know what I mean? And, you know, they're going to be forever linked to giving Mike Conley $153 million. And, you know, hopefully he lives up to it, man. Hopefully he lives up to that contract. Hopefully they can improve on uh, building around Conley and Gasol. But as of now, you know, I give him a C-. minus. I ain't going to just bury him. You know, they were able to keep a couple of their stars, and they did. But the rest of their team... It's not so appealing, you know what I mean? And being that they're not so appealing, they're not going to go far now or in the future. You better hope that you get, you better draft good is all I'm going to say in Memphis. You better draft good. You better nail your draft picks because other than that, I don't see anybody coming to Memphis to play. um, You're stuck with Mike Conley and, and you're stuck with Mark Gasol. Have fun, you know? Next on the list. The New Orleans Pelicans, you know, they failed yet again to improve around, you know, their all-star, superstar player, Anthony Davis, the unibrow, you know, he's out here putting up video game numbers, but they haven't done much. You know, they drafted Buddy Hill, you know, the guard position, point guard position is the hardest position to just step right into and play in the NBA. And, you know, Buddy Hill is a clear, clear uh, proof that that stands true. You know, the, 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 the Pelicans really don't have much depth. I mean, Drew Holiday is back. He's been killing. Um, but outside of Holiday and, um, and um, Anthony Davis, man, the Pelicans, the Pelicans are terrible, man. They're lucky that he signed that contract extension because... I don't think that he's going to end up staying. I think he's going to get upset one day. He's going to get tired of losing, and he's going to request a trade. For God's sake, you better hope that he doesn't, but that's what it's looking like in New Orleans because they're not going anywhere anytime soon. He's putting up a bunch of empty numbers, and, you know, quite frankly, the Pelicans aren't going to be good for at least another decade. That's right, a decade, meaning 10 years. So... Anthony Davis, if you're out there listening, man, you better start putting some pressure on that front office because they're doing you no favors, my man. You're going to be the one-man gang out there forever. As long as you got teams like Golden State and Cleveland and Toronto and, you know, the Spurs out there constantly building to win championships, my brother, you're going to be ringless for a long time if you don't start putting pressure on your franchise. With that said, I give the New Orleans Pelicans a fat D. D is in dog. D is in dummy. D is in don't let Davis walk away. <laughs> Last but not least on the list, the San Antonio Spurs, man. What can I say, man? 
You lose Tim Duncan. You bring in Pau Gasol. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Kawhi Leonard is stepping up. Tony Parker's eh, having a decent year. But yet and still, the Spurs are still top three teams in the league. I don't know how they do it. Their formula for winning is Coach Popovich. He clearly shows that he doesn't. He he doesn't have to play one way to win. You know what I mean? He lets everybody play their game. It's not like a Phil Jackson. And I keep harping on that because Phil only knows one way to win. You know? Coach Popovich is winning with numerous players. He's bringing everybody in the system. You don't hear anybody complaining about, oh, they want me to think too much or they want me to do that. They want me to do this. They just come in, they adapt to the culture, and they win, man. That's what the Spurs do. They win. They're a dynasty. They're an A-class organization. And they're going to be around when the smoke clears in May, possibly June. You know what I mean? I don't think that that um, Golden State will have the answer for them in a seven-game series. Yes, I'm putting it out there early. If the Spurs make it to the playoffs and they have to face the Golden State Warriors, they will dethrone the Western Conference champs. Book it. You know what I mean? They got a system. They play as a team. Kawhi Leonard is a problem. And with the problems that, you know, Golden State is having with Steph Curry not being able to be himself, that's going to reign supreme when it comes to the big dance, you know, in May and June. So with that being said, the Spurs get an A-plus from me for being an A-plus organization, first class. Guys come there, adapt to their system, and they're happy, and they're winning. That's the most important thing of them all. They're winning. And last but not least, the last division in the Western Conference is the Northwest Division. Now, this division is it's terrible. It's a terrible division, but you have a few gems in this division. We're going to start off by talking about the Denver Nuggets. You know, it seems like they just can never get it right after getting rid of Carmelo Anthony. This is what they were before Carmelo Anthony was drafted by them in 2003. A perennial loser, all-star, I mean, all-star. <laughs> a perennial lottery team. You know, they had they have no real stars there. I kind of feel bad for guys like Wilson Chandler, you know, Danilo Gallinari, ex-Knicks. You know, a lot of people didn't want to see those guys go on a trade, but, you know, the NBA is a business. And at the end of the day, it's a business, man. Nobody wants to go to Denver, man. And it doesn't look good for them moving forward. So, with that being said, it's nothing else to really talk about with the Nuggets because they don't have much to talk about outside of the guys that I did mention. But they get a D for me. You know what I mean? They let Masai Urujiri walk and go to the Toronto Raptors and dupe the Knicks. <laughs> but, but the Nuggets definitely um, are nothing special to talk about, and they get a D for me, man. A D for dummy. D for do better. <laughs> Next on the list. And before I mention this team, I must say I, was, I must have been on drugs during my first prediction about this team because I thought... You know, the addition of the coach, Tom Thibodeau, thought that he would really whip these young whippersnappers up, have them playing D. I thought they would be the Bulls on steroids, but clearly I was wrong, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are terrible. 
I mean, I think they gotta have, they gotta, they gotta uh, practice that philosophy. Less is more, because maybe they have too many young stars or young up up and coming players. Because clearly, right now, it's not working in Minnesota. To me, like I always said before, Carl Anthony Towns shouldn't be the focal point of your offense. It should be Andrew Wiggins. You know, Zach Levine is coming in early. He's been working with Kobe. Kobe likes him. You know, he's coming in firing. You know, letting it fly on all cylinders because, you know, he's trying to be that next guy. You know, he's a dunk champion. He doesn't want to be looked at as just a dunk champion. Um, You know, Chris Dunn, he hasn't panned out to what I thought he would. I mean, I know point guard is a very tough position to adapt to and just come right in and play out the gate in the NBA. But he's a top five pick, and that's what you expect top five picks to be. And clearly, he's not doing that right now. And, you know, overall, the Timberwolves aren't playing any defense. And they're clearly suffering. And doesn't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon. Looks like they may be making a trade to probably get a little bit of veteran leadership in there to help those younger guys mold. It looks like Andrew Wiggins may unfortunately be the sacrificial lamb. But they have to do something in order to get better. You know what I mean? As much as I like Coach Thibs, the team in Minnesota is too young and too talented to not be better than what their record is right now. But they say your record says who you are. And their record is who they are right now. And the Timberwolves are playing at an F level right now. So my grade for them is an F. Clearly shocked to see them performing this way, but that's the NBA for you. You never know. You never know. It may shine bright like a diamond, but it may be a, a turd covered in gold. <laughs> a turd. <laughs> Next on the list, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, I can't lie, man. You know, Russell Westbrook, man, I'll take him any day on my team, man. It's only a few guys in the NBA, in the history of the NBA that I'd say that about, man, that I'll take any day. And Russell Westbrook is one of them. KG back in his days and Allen Iverson back in his days. I go to war with those guys any day. Put Russell Westbrook into that category, man, because Russell Westbrook is a problem, man. He's a problem. He clearly doesn't have the supporting cast that KD has around him in Golden State, but he's making it work, man. Teams know without him, the Thunder are going nowhere. Nowhere fast. He's damn. He's averaging damn near triple-double. You know what I mean? They're winning games. You know what I mean? And he's he's not looking like the selfish player that people tried to make him out to be when KD was there. And, you know, the media, I hate what the media is trying to do. Every time the Warriors fail, every time KD does something suspect, they try to go to Russ and see what Russ has to say. They don't play together anymore, man. Stop trying to put these young black men against each other, man. You know what I mean? Let him play basketball. That's what he's paid to do. Not be a soap opera. You know what I mean? He's out there caring about none of you. Out there putting up numbers. 40, 20, and 10. You know what I mean? Not not necessarily those numbers, but he'll give you one of those type of stat lines. And you'll be like, yo, what the hell is he doing out there? Like, is this guy a machine? You know what I mean? So big ups to Russell Westbrook, man. Big ups for putting the team on your shoulders big ups for being a bigger man and not bouncing on your home team 
You know what I mean? Taking on the leadership role. And the Thunder are winning, man. The Thunder is definitely winning games. And you got to give a lot of credit to Russell Westbrook, man. So with that being said, I give the Oklahoma City Thunder an A+. Because bringing in Victor Oladipo, Steven Adams has gotten better. You know what I mean? Combining that with Russell Westbrook. All they need to do is strengthen their bench, man, and they're going to be a problem. You know what I mean? Trust me. They'll be a problem. They'll probably win a championship before my Knicks win a championship. I hate to say it, but facts and, and truth is truth. You know what I mean? Next on the list. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers. You know, clearly a disappointing season so far. You know, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCullough. Outside of those two, I can't really, you know, speak much about the Trailblazers. They brought in Evan Turner. Mo Harkless has gotten better. They're soft in the middle, man. They're soft in the middle, and their bench is suspect. And this is why they aren't any better than what their record says they are. And I expect them to clearly be busy during the offseason. Not even the offseason, the uh, midseason trading deadline period I expect them to be super busy moving forward because they need players man you need players you need you need guys that's gonna come in and um put in work you know what I mean outside of CJ McCullough and outside of Damian Lillard I don't really see that player on the trailblazers and that that's kind of like what hurts Damian Lillard year in and year out when it comes to all-star voting because it looks like his team, he's not making his teammates better and he's a point guard. But the fact of the matter is they're not putting any real type of pieces around him. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, C.J. McCullough's a problem, but they need more than a backcourt mate to help put up points. They need, they need frontline help and they need it badly. So with that being said, I give the Portland Trailblazers a D because, you know, they play no defense and they definitely don't have a bench or a starting front line to accommodate the backcourt talent that they have there in Portland. Next and last on the list, and we'll be wrapping up our session on, you know, grades for the East and West Coast teams is the Utah Jazz. You know, the Jazz are clearly a surprising team on the West, man. In my eyes, I definitely didn't have these guys doing anything close to what they're doing. But you got to give credit to Quinn Snyder. He's a great coach. You know, Gordon Hayward didn't start the season out. Alec Burke is hurt. You know, Dante Exum, he was hurt. You know, Derek Favors, he just came back from injury. You know, the addition of Paul, I mean, of, um, of George Hill is proven to be priceless, man. Priceless, man. You know, the, the Jazz are the third best team in that division. I think they're like the fifth or sixth seed in the Western Conference. And I didn't predict these guys to be doing anything like this. So that says a lot about their team. That says a lot about their players and their coach. Some of the rumors are that, you know, um, you know Gordon Hayward may be probably traded to the Celtics. Does that make Boston better? No. Because, you know, truthfully, Gordon Hayward isn't a go-to guy. They need a stud. 
but maybe he maybe you know he can probably fit in Brad Stevens' system because Quinn Snyder runs systematic basketball like he did in college. You know what I mean? And maybe Gordon Hayward there would work, but the, who says that the Utah Jazz will probably trade Gordon Hayward? I don't see him going anywhere. They have a nice nucleus there. They have a nice team. They're building the team around Gordon Hayward. Rudy Gobert is going to be a good center in this league. And the Jazz are doing well, man. It's like, you know, Jerry Sloan there coaching all over again. They didn't have fancy, flashy players back when Malone and, and Stockton played. And they won games. And this Jazz team is doing the same thing. That's credit to their owners for having a good eye for a talented coach and tough, hard-nosed players. You know what I mean? I can't take anything away from the Utah Jazz. They are a world-class, A-class organization as well. Nothing too fancy. They just, they're just they just about their business. The problem with them is they can't attract stars to go play in Utah, but they do a good job of finding guys that want to play basketball. And with that being said, I give them a B-plus, and I see them only getting better as time moves on because, like I said, Derek Favors just came back from injury. You know, he's going to be a big addition to their front line, which is already loaded because, you know, Rudy Gobert is 7'6". You know, he's blocking shots and dunking on cats, and he runs the floor. You know, they, they have a pretty cool nucleus there in um, Utah, and the addition of George Hill has put them over the top. And I see nothing but a bright future for this team. There'll be a scary outing for any team in the first round of the playoffs. They may win a game or two against an elite team, but... You know, they're still a long way from being a title contender, but they're off to a good start, and they have a great coach. All right. Now I just gave you the wrap-up of, um, you know, my, my grades, my, mid, my, my first quarter grades for, you know, the East and Western teams. Now we're going to get to all-star predictions and snubs. <laughs> I know I may get a lot of backlash and slack, for, for what I'm about to say, but fasten up your seatbelts, man, and take a listen. Ah, we're gonna start off in the Eastern Conference, man. This is my these are my these are the, the guys that I think will make the Eastern Conference all-star team. At point guard, you have Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, Isaiah Thomas. Now, you know, mind you, this isn't in any type of order as far as starters or whatever. I'm just saying guys that I think will either get voted in by the fans or the players. Again, I'm going to say it again. At point guard, Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, and Isaiah Thomas. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, well, where the hell is Kyrie? Guess where Kyrie is? Slotted as a shooting guard because he is a scoring guard. And I think that the shooting guard is going to be Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and DeMar DeRozan. Again, it's no type of order of who's going to start, but just my predictions of who the fans and who the coaches will ultimately bring in to the fold. At small forward, of course, King James, Paul George, and last but not least, Jabari Parker. Yes, Jabari Parker has come a long way from injury, getting himself back into shape, 
and he's playing at an all-star level on a winning team that nobody expected to do anything. And I got to give him a nod for the all-star team. At the, for, at, at the other forward spot, because they did take out the center position because it's not too many centers in the league and you know they didn't want to just vote centers in because they're classified as centers. They wanted the most talented players in. With that being said, that's cool. So for forwards, I selected Andre Drummond, Giannis Atenacampo, and Hassan Whiteside. I'm going to say that again. Andre Drummond, Giannis Atenacampo, and Hassan Whiteside. And that rounds out your Eastern Conference 2017 All-Star team. Now, noticeable snubs. I know a lot of people are going to be mad at me. Look at me like, what, what type of drugs did you on? What, what is this, bars and what? Yes, man, it's bars and hoops, and I am stills the great. And I'm telling you that I think that those guys will make the All-Star team. Now, listen to my snubs. Number one on the list, Carmelo Anthony. You know, I think it all started with Melo mentally. You know, I mean, he went over to, to, to play in Brazil in the Olympics. Maybe he has tired legs. You know, maybe his shoulders injured again. Maybe his knee is bothering him. Maybe the fact that, you know, Kristaps Porzingis has gotten better. Derek Rose is there now. You know, they actually have a team that they can depend on. Maybe he's not performing at the level that everyone thought that he would with the team around them. But clearly right now, it looks like Slam was right with their predictions of him being the 15th best player. Now, I don't believe that. But based on his performance... It's looking like that, man. I can't lie, man. It's looking like, you know, he he's definitely he definitely isn't all-star worthy this year. And to take it from a player that's playing their heart out to give it to him just because of what he's done in the past wouldn't be fair. So I'm just trying to be fair. Next on the list is Dwayne Wade. You know, clearly Dwayne Wade, his, his game has been diminishing. You know, he's still a better than average player. He's above average shooting guard in the league, but health issues and, you know, just the team that he's playing on, you know, he's not in that spotlight anymore. I think that he's, you know, his career is probably over after his stint here in Chicago. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's putting up decent numbers, but again, you can't take it away from young guys that, that's, that are playing like they deserve it. You know, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan definitely deserve to be on an all-star team this year. I don't care what anybody says. You know what I mean? You can't be stuck with the, oh, this is what they did back in the days thing. Like, that doesn't fly anymore. These young guys are, are well-deserving of making the all-star team, and they will make the all-star team. If, if, if these other guys make it, the guys that I just named make it, that's because their fan base got on and voted and a million times for them to be there. You know what I mean? Billions of, of, of votes for those two that I just mentioned. Because if it's based on play, you got to go with the guys that are really putting in work this year. And it's not Carmelo Anthony and it's not Dwayne Wade thus far. And it hurts me to say that because I like both of those guys. But, you know, truth is truth, man. 
hopefully, if it does happen, it gets these guys back on their dean to where they want to go out, you know, the way that guys like MJ and Kobe and those guys did, regardless of their age or whatever, they still competed at a level where they were perennial all-stars. You know what I mean? Next on the list, Jeff Teague. I, I mean, I guess people are like, well, who Jeff Teague? Like, what? He plays in Indiana. He's not a big, big factor, but he's actually playing well. You know what I mean? He's playing well, but the Pacers are struggling. And with the with the way that the Eastern Conference is set up point guard-wise, Jeff Teague is just going to be the odd man out. You know what I mean? The fans aren't going to vote for him. The coaches may vote for him, but, you know, I think he'll be the odd man out in terms of looking at the other guys that are there. You know, he'll be the odd man out. Paul Millsap. And it's kind of unfair that Paul Millsap probably wouldn't make it. But due to fan popularity, he won't make it that way. And, you know, coaches, it's a tough it's a tough uh, toss-up. Who are you going to take off the list? Jabari Parker? Giannis Adenacampo? Listen, man, I play FanDuel. <laughs> Those guys cost money, man. And you know what I mean? Paul Millsap is all right, but those guys cost money in FanDuel, bro. And they put in work. You know what I mean? I'm talking about they give you 50 points in FanDuel land, 60 points, 75 points. You know what I'm saying? And you can't take that away from them. Those guys are definitely here to stay, man. The Milwaukee Bucks got two stars, and I think that two of those stars are going to be all-stars. Not only this year. But the following year and probably for the next five, ten years. Last on the list. And it shouldn't be any surprise because it seems like he gets snubbed every year. But John Wall. You're playing a bad team, my man. You know, it's sad. But, you know, truth is truth, man. The reality is that John Wall plays on a bad team. You know what I mean? He plays on a bad team. You know, he's putting up empty numbers. And, you know... With the competition that's up there, you know, I don't see him going over guys like Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving. I don't see I don't see John Wall going past those guys that are all playing on winning teams and they're putting up numbers. So, you know, that rounds out my Eastern Conference All-Stars and Eastern Conference snubs. Slash possible reserves if someone gets hurt and they can't participate in the All-Star game this coming February. Let's take it over to the Western Conference. Now, the West is loaded, man. This one was like a real, real, real tough one, man. This is a real tough one, man. And, um, you know, it just is what it is, man. Somebody has to take the fall. You know, so I'm going to just get right to it, man. At point guard, of course, you know, Russell Russell Westbrook had to be there. He had to be there. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Steph Curry. Steph Curry is, you know, even though he's playing subpar ball right now, he had to be there. Damian Lillard. You know, as much as Damian Lillard has been snubbed, I think that, you know, they'll do right by him 
and finally get him to his first all-star appearance. Or, you know what? I take that back. CP3. And the only reason why I say CP3 instead of Damian Lillard is because CP3's team is winning. And he's putting up numbers. He may not be putting up the same numbers as Damian Lillard, but he's putting up numbers on a winning team. At shooting guard, without a doubt, it's going to be James Harden, Clay Thompson, C.J. McCollum. Yes, C.J. McCollum will probably make the all-star team this year, man. That boy worked his ass off, man. He came back from an injury when he was drafted out of Lehigh. He had an ankle injury. People overpassed him because they felt that that injury was going to be something that would take him a while to overcome. Well, guess what? He's overcome it, and he's out there putting up numbers, man. And he makes it look real easy with Damian Lillard. You know what I mean? At the small forward, it's Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, and last but not least, Gordon Hayward. Yes, Gordon Hayward will make the team because at the end of the day, the Utah Jazz weren't predicted to do anything. They're winning right now. He came back, and the team has been winning ever since he's been back. So I think that he's definitely going to make that team. He makes that team better. And, you know, quite frankly, he's a good player. <laughs> and just looking at this team, man, they're going to kill the East, by the way, man. It's, it's, it's not even funny how loaded the West is, man. You got Russell Westbrook and James Harden, two guys damn near ad averaging triple doubles on the same team right now. That's not even fair, man. They're going to kill the East, man. Let me finish up, though. The forward, the last forward position, Anthony Davis. You know, he's definitely putting up video game numbers. Boogie Cousins, you, you, you know, despite all the antics and the retardation that he suffers from. So let me take that back. That's not a nice word to use. Excuse me, I didn't mean to use that word. But some of the silly things that that DeMarcus Cousin does, you know, he's going to make the All-Star team because you can't deny his talent. He's a talented kid. He just needs a nice mentor to help keep him under control and keep his emotions in check. This guy's spitting out mouthpieces and just doing all sorts of ridiculous things, making himself look crazy. And last but not least, Blake Griffin. You know, Blake Griffin is definitely a perennial All-Star. You know, he's gotten better after his knee injury, after his ankle injury, after his wrist injury. It's like he's been through a lot. He's come back, and he looks good. Now, my snubs. First on the list, Carl Anthony Towns. You know, I like Towns. Again, he's a talented player. I think a lot of Minnesota's troubles are the fact that he is their go-to guy. He's not a go-to guy, man. He, in Kentucky, he was never a go-to guy. He was a glue guy that filled the lane on breaks, played defense, grabbed boards, and that ultimately made him the number one player overall in the draft. You know what I mean? I don't think that he's going to make the All-Star team because of the Timberwolves' record, quite frankly. And, you know, the West is loaded. As you can see, guys that I named, you know, He's just not overtaking those guys as of yet. Maybe another five years down the line, or maybe next year. You never know. 
Both him and KP are probably making all-star appearance in a year or two. Marc Gasol. What can I say, man? Marc Gasol, his game is pretty much vanilla right now. You know what I mean? The Memphis Grizzlies are what they are. You know, they, they, they're above average team, you know, that aren't going to do anything in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And he's just not appealing. He's not, he's not getting... He's not going to get the fan vote because he plays in Memphis. And, you know, quite frankly, the, the talent level at that forward position is, is is steep. Would you would you put him in over put him in over DeMarcus Cousins? Would you put him in, put him in over Anthony Davis? How about over Blake Griffin? I don't think so. So it's just it's just, you know, the lucky draw, you know what I mean? And he's going to get the short end of the stick when it's all said and done. And last but not least, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he left Portland. He went to San Antonio. He basically just blended in, man. At one point in time, this guy was putting up 40 and 15, you know, a couple of blocks, a couple of assists. But in Portland, he's just like the next guy, you know what I mean? And I think that kind of hurt his stock. But he's winning. You know what I mean? He didn't win a championship yet. That's what his ultimate goal was for going to, you know, to San Antonio. But as far as his status as an all-star, that pretty much went out the window once he made that move. And uh, maybe it's for the better, you know. Maybe he get to chill out and relax and do what he does. You know what I mean? I said that was last on my list, but, you know, again, uh, I go back to one of the initial guys that I said may get snubbed because of his team. And because of the depth that point guard, and that's Damian Lillard. You know what I mean? For all the reasons that I just stated, Damian Lillard may end up being snubbed come all-star selections. And, um, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, I don't know if Portland is going to end up probably trading him or C.J. McCollum eventually try to move on. You may have to move somebody like him to get better. You know, get some real players in there, you know, to help better your team. Because right now, under Lillard, even though him and C.J. McCullough are putting up numbers, they're still losing. That's not his fault, but it's a failure of the organization to put players around him to really showcase his true potential as a stud. You know what I mean? Because they, re they recovered with Lillard after they lost Brandon Roy, but it's just a shame that they can never get it together to put a winning team around him. I mean, LaMarcus Orridge didn't do him any favors either, but he just wanted out of Portland. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, Lillard is stuck there. It's just like Rod Strickland back in the days, man. Rod Strickland never made an all-star team. As great as a point guard as he was, he never made an all-star team. I think Lillard made one. If I'm not mistaken, he did, but he's been snubbed more than he's actually made him. He didn't make the USA basketball team. That right there says it all. You know what I mean? But that's a whole nother story. That wraps up my East and Western Conference All-Star predictions, snubs slash reserves for injury. Next on the list, <laughs> it's all about selling books, huh? That's what George Carl did, man. George Carl versus everybody, man. And I'm not really going to touch too much on it because, you know, the guys that he talked about didn't really touch much on it. They didn't give it any energy. And I'm not going to really give it too much energy. But he was out of line when he tried to question 
<clears throat> Carmelo's character and tried to blame it on the fact that, you know, Melo was the way he was because he didn't have a father figure in his life. To me, that sounded like a borderline, bitter person. And it sounded like, you know, everybody was talking about Phil Jackson and his uh, posse comments. To me, that's worse than Phil Jackson's posse comments. And I'm going to leave it at that. George Carl is bitter. Guys like Kenya Martin, guys like um, Reggie Evans, guys like J.R. Smith, even though he's not the best person, they all call George Carl out for who he is, an old bitter guy that's mad because he didn't make it anywhere else outside of the Denver Nuggets. He was fired from all the situations that he's been in after the Nuggets. And, you know, he's just bitter. So now he wants to sell books. You know, that that's crazy, man. You know, people... People, man, you know, they always say when the grass is cut, the snakes are show, man. And George Carl is the epitome of that statement because for him to come out with a book in midseason when he sees Carmelo doing well with the Knicks and, you know, he wants to take a shot at him to sell books or to throw him off to make him look like he's just a loser and a cancer was real whack, man. And the fact that the NBA even allowed him to get that out there like that was a shame. I can't blame the NBA for it, but whoever his publicist is, whoever the people are that helped him with that book, they should be ashamed of themselves, and I would give them no business if I ever had the power to say, don't give them any business. You know what I mean? Moving on. You know, uh, you know, it's wild call, well, wild call weekend this weekend, man. <laughs> For those of you who know me, I am Stills the Great. I am a Giant fan. And I had great pleasure yesterday watching my Giants wash the Washington uh, Redskins up yesterday. You know what I mean? They destroyed the Redskins, man. Even though they only scored 19 points, the way that the defense dominated yesterday, the way that the Giants were able to run the ball yesterday, it just showed that the Giants are getting themselves ready for for postseason action. You know what I mean? A lot of the trained eye would see that the Giants were able to run the football yesterday. You know what I mean? You need to be able to run the football in the playoffs. Make no mistake about it. Those two runs that the Giants made uh, in 2007 and 2011 was predicated off a of defense and a run game. And Eli just had to limit his mistakes. I see that happening again. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like those delusional fans that sit there, oh, this is not 2007, 2011. But what I saw yesterday, the Giants didn't have anything to play for. The Redskins were playing to get in the playoffs. That was a playoff atmosphere yesterday. And the way that the Giants dominated, the way that Odell Beckham Jr. was cooking Josh Norman, (laughs) you better watch out, man. Watch out, NFL. Because the Giants heading into wild card weekend, even though they're going into Green Bay to play, they won there already. And the Packers' defense isn't the greatest. And the Packers have no running game. So that plays into the Giants' favor. Aaron Rodgers was on another planet yesterday. After seeing what he did to Detroit yesterday, he did kind of make me worry. I can't lie. He definitely worried me. The way he was skating around that pocket, like he was on ice skates getting away from the pressure. He worried me. You know what I mean? I can't sit here and say for sure the Giants is just going to go in and trash Green Bay. 
in Lambeau Field, but I think that it's going to be a much, much better game than a lot of a lot of these people think because people think that the Giants' offense is suffering right now. They're struggling. Yes, they were, but if you really paid attention, they slowly but surely worked Paul Perkins into that backfield and slowly but surely started moving Rashad Jennings to the backup role. And Rashad Jennings comes in as the hammer. You know what I mean? He's a straight up and down north and south runner. Paul Perkins is east and west, herky-jerky runner. Make you miss in the pocket. Get your tough yards. They can throw toss pad. They can they can throw toss plays to Paul Perkins because he's fast enough and he's elusive enough to make guys miss. And we weren't seeing that all year from the Giants. If your eye was trained and if you really watched the Giants, you didn't really see that type of play and those type of play calls for guys like Rashard Jennings throughout the regular season. It's kind of like Ben McAdoo was holding on to some of his cards for the playoffs to avoid being predictable in the playoffs. The way that Odell Beckham Jr. was cooking Josh Norman on those routes, he was running those with a little bit more pep in his step. They called certain plays. You know, (laughs) I hate to sound like I'm going on a Giants rant. I am in a sense, but you can't take away the intensity that they played with yesterday on both offense and defense, and I'm going to leave it at that. So I just gave you a breakdown of what one of the games are on Wild Card Weekend coming up, the Giants versus the Packers. Of course, I'm being biased. I I think that the Giants are going to go in and they're going to give the Packers all they can handle and possibly win that game. Detroit versus Seattle, that's going to be another tough game. I mean, Seattle, their defense is tough. The, the, the thing that Seattle has going for them is the fact that they are playing at home. That 12th man is real. That stadium is loud. They still have Russell Wilson, but they don't have beast mode. They don't have that running game that put fear in you. Their defense isn't what it once was. So Seattle is beatable. I won't be surprised if Detroit makes it a better game than a lot of people think that it would be. You know what I mean? I won't be surprised. You know what I mean? Shout out to Ciara. You know what I mean? You got Russell Wilson with a different pep in his step. If you understand what I'm saying there. (laughs) Maybe that took away a lot of, you know, a lot of his spunk. You know what I mean? He's going home to that every day. You know what I mean? Getting that little snitter to that. No, little to that. But um, no, let me stop. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be the favorite. I think that they're going to probably beat Detroit. But I won't be I won't be surprised if Detroit makes it uh, a close game. I'm gonna just put it to you that way. I won't be surprised if 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 Detroit makes it a, a close game. Now that's the NFC Wild Card Weekend. Let's go to the AFC side of things. Miami versus Pittsburgh. It sucks. Miami lost. You know Ryan Tannehill. They have a great running game. They found Joseph Ajay. You know what I mean? He kind of messed my fantasy world up when he, you know, came in like gangbusters and ran for 200 yards consecutive weeks. Made my man Arian Foster hang the cleats up. You know what I mean? He came in and destroyed my whole fantasy world, man, by 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 making Arian Foster retire. But nonetheless, you know, 
I don't think that the the the, the Dolphins can overcome the loss of Ryan Tannehill. You know, Pittsburgh to me, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, um, <laughs> Antonio Brown, you know, um, Le'Veon Bell. I think that they'll be too much for that Dolphins defense. But I got to give kudos to the Dolphins, man. They turned it up a notch. I didn't expect them to be that great or to make that playoff run, you know, early in the year. But they proved me wrong, and they proved a lot of people wrong by making that run. And, you know, who knows what can happen. But I, I, I if I put my money on it, I will put my money on the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Ben Roethlisberger, like I said, he's been there. He's won a championship. You know, Antonio Brown. Number one, number two receiver, whatever you want to call him. He's definitely an elite receiver. And I don't see anybody on uh, Miami that can stop that tandem with the with the addition of Le'Veon Bell. I really think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to pretty much handle business, you know, come weekend time when they play the Miami Dolphins. Another game, man, that, that kind of sucks because, you know, Oakland – you know, Oakland had one hell of a season, man, and and um, David Carr was definitely uh, the 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 spark in that team's success. You know, he definitely played at a Pro Bowl level. He definitely played at an MVP caliber level. And the fact that he hurt his Achilles in a game that kind of basically really didn't mean nothing, didn't really make or break their season, it kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Because they're going to go into Houston against a team that they can probably still beat, you know, without without David Carr. Or, you know what I mean? You know, it just sucks that he got injured before the playoffs happened. You know what I mean? That kind of took the air out of their sails. And I know they got to be devastated in Oakland. But I think that they can probably pull off an upset in Houston because Houston isn't that great. I mean, don't get me wrong. D'Angelo Hopkins is good. You know, um... You know, they have a solid running game. You know, their quarterback play is suspect, but they're going to give the ball to Lamar Miller to run, in it, to run, and they're definitely going to try to feed DeAndre Hopkins, you know, to, to, to get to a victory. Oakland's defense is tough, so it might be a tough game, man. Don't get me wrong. I won't be surprised if Oakland pulls it off, but I don't see them getting past the next round, the, you know, whoever goes into that game, they got to play, you know, the uh, the Patriots. And, you know, I don't see anybody beating the Patriots. You know what I mean? I don't see anybody beating the Patriots other than maybe Pittsburgh. But, yeah, that whole that whole situation is uh, a wash for the um, Oakland Raiders, man, because – you know, Carr isn't there, and he was a, a big, big reason why they were there. Amari Cooper's a stud. You know, um, they definitely had a good team, man. Michael Crabtree refound himself in Oakland. And it's just sad that, you know, a lot of that air is taken out of their sails because, you know, they lost their star quarterback. You know what I mean? So that's my predictions for the wild card, you know, weekend. As far as Super Bowl predictions, I don't want to get there. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I'll wait until next week after this weekend, and then I'll give you a, a different analysis based on the results of, you know, this wild card weekend. 
But it's it, it's shaping up to be a fun-filled weekend of football. You know, it's a lot of good quarterbacks in the game this weekend. And it's going to be an entertaining Super Bowl. You know what I mean? And I can't wait. And I also got those Super Bowl boxes out there, yeah. So if you need them, I'll let your boy, you know where to follow us up. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Facebook. You know what I mean? At Bars and Hoops. That's B-A-R-S and Hoops. At Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're interested in getting into those Super Bowl boxes. Check us out on iTunes as well, man. Podcast, you know. SoundCloud and all that. We're there. Now, ah. Man, this is, this is a passionate part of the segment that I kind of love and I never really touch too much on it whenever I do get on these airwaves. But we're going to talk about hip-hop. <laughs> you know what I mean? In particular, the fourth quarter, you know, of um, the hip-hop game. We're going to talk about those albums that dropped for the fourth quarter of 2016. When I say fourth quarter, the last quarter of the year, you know, a lot of albums dropped. A lot of guys put out some material. And I'm just going to give you my overall opinion on the albums that dropped. You know what I mean? First on my list, uh, J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only. You know what I mean? I, I liked about one, two, three, four songs on the album. Immortal, Vile Mentality, change and for your eyes only you know after i thoroughly listened to the album you know i give the lyrics out of a, a one a scale of one to five five being the greatest lyrics i give them a four i can't say that j cole doesn't have lyrics you know a lot of the knock on j cole is that he's boring sometimes as an mc but i can't deny the fact that he does have lyrics and you know for lyrics i had to give him a four as far as production is concerned you know myself you know being a a, a, a music guy but you know i produce a little bit my ear for the music is is definitely there and the production game for the album to me wasn't that strong so out of five out of five bars I gave it two and a half, you know what I mean? Because to me, it was kind of like, you know, the production was kind of boring. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. It wasn't nothing you could just be like, woo, turn that up. Like, oh, you hear that? Like, it wasn't like that. It didn't come across, it didn't hit me like that. And you know, every album isn't supposed to hit you like that, but you know, to have so much bars and not to have, you know, beats to complement those bars, is, is incomplete, you know what I mean? So, you know, with that, I give it two and a half bars on the production. Concepts, you know, what he was trying to get across, I guess, you know, I give it a three for concepts, you know, you know, the songs, and I guess the music matched up to what the mood is that he wanted and what he was trying to get across. I mean, yeah, you know, it was, it, I guess I could say this, man. The buildup from the, the disc records that he came out with, I don't even know if I could call them disc records, but the shots that he took to get the buzz for the album, I, I expected a lot more 
from this album. You know what I mean? He put a lot of work into the pre the pre-release of the album. You know what I mean? He put together little short video clips for the dish records that he put out at Kanye, Wale, and guys like that. But the overall album material, it was weak to me. You know what I mean? In my opinion. And it's no disrespect to J. Cole. I think he's still a dope artist. But to me, you know, this album was, uh, yeah. So the overall rating I gave it was three balls out of five. You know, I guess that's average. You know, nowadays with today's standards, I guess that's okay. Three bars for J. Cole. And this album was for your eyes only. If you didn't check it out, check it out on iTunes. You know, feel like you want to comment, get back at me. You know, leave comments on the page, man. You know, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on SoundCloud, Facebook. And we're on iTunes. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about that. Next album on the list. Ab Soul. You know, Do What Thou Wilt. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like, I'm not going to sit up here in front like I was the biggest Ab Soul fan. Like, I was really listening to him to all his music when he was with Kendrick in the beginning. Like, I really wasn't. You know what I mean? I really wasn't. But I do respect him because... I listened to him on a couple of shows, Sway and Tech in particular. Well, the Sway Morning Show in particular, man. He made me really, really want to take a listen to his work. And he made me respect him as a lyricist, man. Because that boy got a lot of lyrics and he's a very sharp young man. So I can never take nothing from him when it comes to bars and lyrics. So, you know, for him also, on the lyrics category, I gave him a four. On this album... Some of my favorite songs were Threatening Nature, which is a deep song, Wifey or Wi-Fi, Beat the Case, and God's a Girl. Like I said, the, the kid is definitely talented and he's very creative, man. He's very creative and he's very sharp and witty with his wordplay. You know what I mean? So for lyrics, I can't front on him. I give him a full. You know what I mean? Production. You know, to me, like I said, I'm a beat guy, man. I like beats, man. I like the music part of it. I like music that'll make you feel good. Like, you know, nowadays these albums don't make you feel like good. Like, you want to feel like you're in a good mood when you're listening to things. You know what I mean? And production-wise, this album didn't really do it for me. You know what I mean? Production-wise, I would give it two and a half bars. You know what I mean? Concepts like J. Cole three give him three like his concepts are definitely is deep you know what I mean he can lose some people sometimes with some of his stuff but it's not for everybody but you know conceptually he got a point he got his point across what he was trying to do you know I guess but you know again music to me is supposed to be uplifting makes you feel good when you hear it like makes you want to work out makes you want to dance make you want to do it puts you in a good mood and sometimes most of this music that, you know, is coming out, it doesn't put you in that mood. So overall, with that being said, you know, um, overall I gave it three bars, man. Three bars out of five is not bad. Today's standards, that's above average. That's, you know, a little bit above average, but, you know, that's just, you know, my opinion. 
Everybody has one. Mine doesn't have to count. You know, you don't have to like it, but I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? You know. Next on the list, the locks, filthy America. <laughs> you know what I mean? On this album, I liked about one, two, three, four, four songs. You know what I mean? What else you need to know? The family of oh, filthy America, three songs. Okay. Wow. Only three. You know what I mean? You know, again, those guys, they've been around for a while, man. Jada, style, sheet. You know, the lyrics. Lyrics were strong. You know what I mean? The lyrics were strong on the album. You know what I mean? A lot of the concepts. Concepts. I gave them about three and a half on the concepts. Because what else you need to know is a funny, funny song. They told you basically everything that you wanted to know about the locks. They let out some things that people probably didn't know. You know, um, the family, that was a tough song. That beat was crazy for the production. You know, the production on the album, I gave that about a three and a half bars. And, um, you know, Filthy America, the title of the album, man, they pretty much stated why they named the, the album that. They touched on a lot of social justice issues and you know, it just showed the growth of the locks as a whole. You know, the part that I didn't like about the album was, you know, a lot of the, they, they, they seemed like they did a lot of things that were out of their element as far as some of the production they did choose, some of the songs they did choose to use. You know, I'm used to hearing, you know, that we are the streets locks. You know what I mean? This was a little different, a different take. But, you know, a majority of the beats carried them. You know, carried some of this, uh, some of the project. You know what I mean? And um, you know, overall, the overall rating I gave the album was three and a half bars. You know what I mean? Three and a half bars is, you know, that's definitely above average in today's, you know, standard of music. And you know, they they definitely proved that they they are growing with the times. You know, they didn't they didn't look to give you a mid-90s album when they first came out. And, you know, you know, you can take it for whatever, what you want to take it for. You know, I think they'll have their fans that'll love it. You know, they'll have their fans that'll hate it. You know what I mean? For me, I think it was a cool album. You know, like I said, the music got to make you feel a certain way. And a lot of the beats on that album made you feel a certain way. And the way that they delivered on their bars made you feel a certain way. And it made you feel good. Whether it made you feel angry, made you well, it gave you a feeling to make you want to do something, and um, I think that you know the album was cool. It was cool. I'm not gonna say it was classic. It was out of this world. It was cool. <laughs> Next on the list, Gucci Man, Gucci Man, <laughs> the return of the East Atlanta Santa. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the whole album, man. I, I really sat. Listen to it, try to get in the Gucci's world. You know, I don't know if it was the clone that made this album, though. You know what I mean? It could have been the clone. You know what I mean? But after listening to the album, um, I liked about two songs. Um, both and yet. <laughs> two songs, you know what I mean? In the lyrics category, I gave him a one. <laughs> That's right, a one. If I could give him a minus one, I would. But I gave him a one. In the production side, 
gave him a two. You know what I mean? A lot of, lot of trap beats, a lot of trapping, a lot of hi-hats. A lot of that shit. Excuse me. Excuse my French. A lot of that was going on. You know what I mean? Um, concepts, it really didn't have any concept. I don't even know what, what the hell the concept of the album was, what direction he was really trying to go in. But, you know, to me, the concepts were terrible. We gave him a one. And um, the overall rating for that album, man, is a one, man. One out of five. It's pure trash, pure, pure garbage. I mean, he's, he's wealthy, he's filthy. It's no disrespect to him, man. I'm just here stating my honest opinion. You know what I mean? You don't have to like it. You don't have to like me. You don't have to listen to me. But to me, and my taste, and my liking, and just based on whatever, everything that's out, this is a piss poor project. And you got one bar from me, man. One bar. You know what I mean? One bar. One stinking bar. <laughs> Next on the list. Common. Black America again. You know what I mean? I, I kind of really dug the direction of the album. I like where it was going. You know, Common never falls short lyrically. You know what I mean? Out of out of the albums that out of the songs that were on the album. My favorites were Joy and Peace, Black America Again, Pyramids, Unfamiliar, Letter to the Free. You know, the lyrics based on the content and everything on the album, the lyrics, I gave him a four. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't dif- disappoint on the lyric side. You know what I mean? He definitely don't disappoint on the lyric side. He definitely puts it down when it comes to lyrics. He's the top lyricist in the game, one of them at least. Um, Production. The production wasn't really all that great to me. You know, I gave it about two and a half bars. You know what I mean? For production. Um, concepts, you know, it was real strong. You know, you're talking about, you know, basically what it is. Black America, man. Our communities, you know what I mean? He touched on it as only an artist that grew up in the south side of Chicago in these streets can tell a story and can touch on what most of our issues were. So as far as concepts and everything, I give him a four on that because he nailed it and he had the lyrics and bars to back up everything that he said. You know what I mean? So I gave him four bars on that. Overall, the album, I gave it three and a half bars, man. I think it was a well put together project. I think that he took his time with it. I think it was needed for the times that we're in today, man. Because music like that can soothe savage beasts, man. If you really into music you could pop in music like that and it puts you in that mind frame to make you want to get yourself right you know what i mean make you want to do right by your peoples make you want to do right by your family you know what i mean it just made you want to do right all together you know what i mean that's what i got from that common album again it's called black america again and to me it was pretty dope next and last on the list a Tribe Called Quest. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. Hmm. It's pretty interesting, man. This is close to this is close to home for me, literally. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be on this mic and not sound biased or anything like that. But um, out of the uh, the album, the songs on the album, I liked one. Two, three songs. Of course, we the people. 
you know, black spasm, spasmodic, spasmatic, and the Donald. You know what I mean? Those are the three songs that I really dug on the album. You know what I mean? <laughs> it hurts to say it, man. But lyrically, I give it a three. You know what I mean? Production, I give it one bar. You know what I mean? And it hurts me to say that, man. Production, to me, I don't know I don't know where they dug most of these beats up from, but production-wise, I gave it a one. You know, concepts, I gave it a two and a half. And overall, man, the overall rating on this album, to me, was two bars, man. And, you know, I know a lot of people probably going to get mad because I said this, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think, I don't know what was the thought process behind it. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was just something to fulfill a deal or what. Maybe I'm talking what I don't know, but I'm saying I don't know. I don't think that, you know, this was a great project at all. You know what I mean? I really don't. You know, I was out there for the, you know, the the, the block renaming and all of that, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm from the hood. You know what I'm saying? And... To me, you know, the album wasn't classic tribe music. You know what I mean? What I'm used to hearing. You know what I mean? And I'm going to just leave it at that. You know what I mean? I don't want to get too personal or whatever. I'll make it seem like it's a personal shot at anybody. But I'm just being honest, in my opinion, on the music side of things. You know what I mean? You know. And that was just my, my, my fourth quarter wrap-up, you know, for, you know, 2016 as far as music was concerned. You know what I mean? Now, let's get to the rumors and stuff, man. But not even rumors. Let's get to the beef, man. You know, I don't even like harping on the beef, but I found it funny, and I found it like breath of, a breath of fresh air at the same token because, you know, you know, you got all of these these rappers nowadays that, you know, they're younger. You know, they don't, they don't respect the past and guys that came before them. Like, I'm particularly talking about, like, guys like Little Yachty, you know what I mean, saying that Big was overrated and this, that, and the third, and you know what I mean? Just a lot of a lot of nonsense, man. So, Funk Flex, man, you know, shout out to Funk Flex, Hot 97. You know, he you know he does his little, uh, his little segments, man, where he got, he brings artists up there that spits nothing but pure balls, man. And he brought one, up, one rapper up in particular named on P, man, from the Bronx. Shout out to On P, the Bronx, you know what I mean? He came up to Flex and he destroyed it, man. And Flex hashtag was no more mumble rap. <laughs> you know what I mean? In particular, he's talking about Little Yachty and um, Bow Wow. I don't know how Bow Wow got into the equation, but, you know, Bow Wow basically had something to say about that too on YouTube and on the internet. It was kind of funny, you know what I mean, that Bow Wow was on camera with his little goons and talking about flex don't want none of this and all this nonsense man but back to the music man that session that flex had on on, with on peak or hot 97 was a was the epitome of what rap was about man straight up bars lyrics shit that made you bump bob your head and squint your eyes like whoo did you him you know what i mean nothing against the mumble rap it has its place it's fun. These kids are having fun. Everybody's having fun with it. You know what I mean? You can't really knock it. 
But it was kind of funny, man, to hear Funk Flex really getting on those guys like that, man. Another rumor that was out there was Nicki Minaj and, you know, Meek Mills kind of not following each other on Instagram anymore. But then Nicki pulled the wool over everybody's eyes by bringing Meek out at her show, rocking the ring, rocking the bracelet. They not going nowhere. They love each other. It's black love. You got to respect it. Nicki's a big artist. There's a lot of haters out here that wish they were in Meek, Meek's position. You know what I mean? You know, you got a lady like that in your corner, man. You know, a lot of guys will be hating and praying for your downfall. And I think that that's what a lot of that is. But, you know, they're, they're together. They're still with each other. And you can't knock it. It's black love at the end of the day, man. Everybody needs to stop hating on the black love, man. Let them live. You know what I mean? And on a final note, before we wrap up this up, up today's session, you know, I want to talk about a couple of hip-hop documentaries, man. And this is for my hip-hop heads out there that really love the music and respect the culture. I'm going to share a couple of documentaries with you that you need to see, man. This is what you need to see. If you're a hip-hop artist, aspiring artist, or anybody that's trying to get on, whether you make beats, whether you rap, whether you manage, whatever you do, whether you love performing, whether you love music, period. These are some documentaries that you need to check out. And they're both on Netflix. Number one, it's a six-part series. It's called Hip Hop Evolution, and it's on Netflix. It's a really dope documentary. It breaks everything down from the start of hip hop to where hip hop is today. You know, I really enjoyed it. I watched it in about two days. If you want to binge watch it and just watch it all in one shot, it's going to take a couple of hours. You know what I'm saying? If you're on vacation, you know what I mean? And you don't want to be bothered, nobody's in the house, and you just want to chill out and watch something, turn on Hip Hop Evolution, man, on Netflix, man. It'll teach you a lot about what the rap game was, what the music game is all about, and what a lot of older people and veterans are talking about when they talk about the new generation of hip hop. And last but not least, the next documentary that's a must-see that just shows you the epitome of, of New York hip-hop at its finest is the Stretching Stretch, Stretch Armstrong and Bobito documentary. Stretching Bobito, man. Those guys broke a lot of your favorite rappers, man. Mostly all of your favorite rappers that came out of, out of New York, at least. You know, it's a documentary about two college kids, man, that, that took over a radio station at their school and they broke some of today's biggest artists, man. You know, I'm talking about the Nas, the Jay-Z, the Biggies, the Big L's. You know, everybody that was somebody in the rap game at that time were broken. Wu-Tang Clan, you know what I mean? All of these guys, everybody that was somebody came through stretching Bobito's studio to lay down something. You know what I mean? It talks about the trials and tribulations of how the music game can pretty much destroy friendships. You know what I mean? It was a great documentary. It's a great watch. I think that if you're if you're a hip hop fan, if you're a music fan in general, you would love it, and I would recommend it to anybody to see. So once again, the two documentaries are Hip Hop Evolution and Stretch and Bobito. Stretch and Bobito documentary. It's about Stretch Armstrong 
and Bobito. You know what I mean? So with that being said, I want to thank everybody for taking the time out to listen. Don't forget to visit us at www.barsandhoops.com. You can follow us at Bars and Hoops. That's B-A-R-S-A-N-D-H-O-O-P-S at Facebook, at Twitter, at Instagram, at YouTube. Follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Again, that's Bars and Hoops. And I am Stills the Great. On that note, I want to leave you with this. Life is about love and hate. The key to life is making sure that the love outweighs the hate and everything will be straight. And I'm Stills the Great, baby. Uno.